God bless you and welcome to Yesterday Ended, Healing the Traumas of Life. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you so much for joining me today. What words do you most commonly use to describe God? The Bible gives us many, many different ways to describe him. He is a God of justice and judgment, but he's also the God of peace and the God of love. God's anger can be kindled, but his mercy is everlasting. When you think about approaching God, do you see yourself approaching a throne of judgment or a throne of grace? Will you find mercy at whichever throne you approach? Do you feel shut out from God's blessings? Do you feel separated from God? Do you feel your sins cannot be forgiven? In today's episode, I want to explore the mercies of God and our merciful God. If you need some mercy in your life, give a listen. So what exactly is mercy? In the Old Testament, many of the words translated mercy in the Hebrew language are also translated compassion, kindness, or loving kindness. Words like clemency, compassion, show favor, or show kindness, or goodwill can help us understand the scope of what mercy is. A common phrase not used much these days is a request from someone in need of help. Have mercy on me. The help that is needed might be to alleviate pain or suffering of some sort. The poor would ask for mercy as in, Can you help me out there, brother? The criminal might ask the judge for mercy as in, Show me leniency in your sentencing of my crime. The follower of God might ask for mercy from God in reference to their sins. Please, God, don't turn your back on me. In a relationship with God, knowing that he is merciful gives us hope that when we come to him, he will hear our voice and not just reject us outright. So my question to you today is, got mercy? I have left home and gone astray, and I feel unworthy to God to pray. The sin I have done on me does weigh. Can I ever come back into his arms? I've been told I am his beloved child, and by the blood of Jesus fully reconciled. Never from his everlasting love was I exiled, for his grace and mercy abound to me. Grace enables me to walk in his power. His favor is on me every single hour. Mercy holds back judgment. I need not cower. He waits for me to run into his arms. I've been told I am his beloved child, and by the blood of Jesus fully reconciled. Never from his everlasting love was I exiled, for his grace and mercy abound to me. To the throne of grace I can boldly go, and from it God's mercy does freely flow, and in his presence I feel no woe as I rest within his arms. I've been told I am his beloved child, and by the blood of Jesus fully reconciled. Never from his everlasting love was I exiled, for his grace and mercy abound to me. In the Old Testament, Israel's relationship with God was based on their sacrifices. Were they up to date 
in their sin and trespass offerings? And then did they go beyond those two required offerings into the free will offerings, such as burnt offerings or peace offerings or meat offerings? Our relationship with God is based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He is our Passover lamb. The gift of his life and shed blood has reconciled us to God. Now that we are seated at his right hand in Christ, do we still need mercy? Well, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews is a great book that shows the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It helped the Jews come to recognize that Jesus was their new and only sacrifice, the one-time offering for sin. Here it declares that we can come boldly unto the throne of grace. That in and of itself should have been a huge change to their mindset. The work of cleansing oneself from their sin was now over. They were now once and for all cleansed and forgiven and brought into the presence of God like never before. This verse in Hebrews chapter 4 says that it was a throne of grace, not a throne of judgment. Approaching the temple or tabernacle was all about being judged for your sin. You were guilty, and you had to give the sacrifice to be right with God. Jesus gave his life so that we don't have to. Jesus gave his life as the Lamb of God so that we don't have to give a lamb or a turtle dove or what have you in sacrifice. This verse tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can obtain mercy. So obviously, we need a little bit more mercy. Jesus Christ has made us righteous. Jesus Christ has redeemed us. Jesus Christ has sanctified us. Jesus Christ has justified us. That's who we are. All this through the blood of his sacrifice. Now think about this. Just because you're given an invitation to a party doesn't mean you're going to accept the invitation. Just because you've been given an inheritance doesn't mean you're going to accept it and live in it. We have been fully redeemed, but sometimes we stray. We've been made righteous, but sometimes we don't live that way. And so we need a bit of mercy. And it's always there. Look at the quality of mercy revealed in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. God does not change, and therefore his characteristics also don't change. He was and is and always will be good, and his mercy endures forever. Think about that for a moment. His mercy endures forever. It doesn't wear out. It doesn't fade. It has no expiration date. Soak that up. God has another way to describe his mercy. We find it in Lamentation chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. 
Other translations render the first phrase of verse 22 as, The Lord's kindness, or love, has not ended or ceased. Remember, this is describing the Lord during his covenant relationship with Israel according to the law. Israel had a real problem staying faithful, but God does not have any problem staying faithful. Great is his faithfulness. Let us read verse 22 again, but this time in the English Standard Version. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. What is translated compassion in the end of verse 22 in the King James here is translated mercies, but it's a different Hebrew word and has the connotation that his mercy replaces judgment with restoration. Mercy brings us back into the presence of God. While grace gives us something we don't deserve, mercy withholds the judgment we do deserve. And that mercy never comes to an end. In a court of law, mercy releases the guilty party from judgment and punishment. Now we come again to verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. They, his love and compassion, are new every morning. Scripture says his mercy endures forever and it's new every morning. So picture this. You have new mercy piling up all around you every morning. It is everlasting, so you are always surrounded by God's mercy. There is a never-ending supply of his mercy. Then it says, Great is thy faithfulness. The word translated great in the Hebrew is a reference to size or quantity, not quality. There's a lot of his faithfulness. There's a whole bunch of mercy and there's a whole bunch of his faithfulness. Our God is a God of abundance. At times, we have unfortunate lapses of strength and we doubt God. We stumble at times and fall. But God's mercy, which allows us to return to him, never ceases. His grace enables us to stand if we choose to accept it, and his mercy can release us from our guilt and shame as we recognize the judgment against us has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a license to sin and do whatever we want. There is, of course, our responsibility to obey God. But if we have failed to do so, we should confess our sins, for he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness by the blood of Jesus. Having an understanding of God's mercy should help us return more quickly when we have strayed. Because of the mercy of God, some of the seeds that we have planted in the past can be uprooted and not bear fruit against us. Some of the seeds we planted were the wrong kind. They were not godly seeds. We can go to God and ask him to have mercy upon us so that we do not have to receive the judgment or punishment that should come against us because of sin. Mercy eradicates our past. Because of mercy, nothing of our past can linger because 
We've been made a new creation, and old things are passed away. As I just said, when we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is a perfect Savior. Our goal should be to be the best followers and examples of His faithfulness. Let's look at the example of mercy bestowed upon the Apostle Paul that is recorded in 1 Timothy in chapter 1, starting in verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. We also are enabled by the Christ within us to be able to live for God and serve. When you take into consideration what Paul did, his example should give most of us a sigh of relief. Paul imprisoned and okayed the death of many first century believers. He was really worthy of death, but it says here, he obtained mercy. And here we see in verse 14 how grace and mercy worked together. The grace of Christ was exceeding abundant toward Paul, and because of grace, he received mercy. We also have received these two amazing gifts. We see it again in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Here it says, by his mercy he saved us. This is not a contradiction of Ephesians, where it says we are saved by grace, it is an addition. Grace and mercy work together. Verse 7 says that we are justified by his grace. Again, grace gives us what we don't deserve, justification, and mercy withholds what we did deserve, which was judgment and death. Now we have the hope of eternal life. Here's another verse that shows us how mercy has been extended to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we see that mercy is also abundant, and through it, God has begotten us again to a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without grace and mercy, we would definitely be far more than just out of luck. As Ephesians says, we would be without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Because of mercy, you can truly boldly approach the throne of grace knowing that by the blood of Christ and by the mercy of Christ and of the Father, you are totally forgiven or absolved of your sins. 
Do not let the guilt of past sins stop you from coming to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus and the Father await you on the throne. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So where are you going to go today? Will you boldly approach the throne of grace? First John says, we love because he first loved us. God made the first move. He initiated the possibility of a relationship with him through the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus gave his life so we don't have to. Yet, we should give our lives in surrender to God, which is a way of giving thanks to him for what he has done for us. So the invitation has been made for us to come boldly unto the throne of grace. All the mercy you need to live a life of freedom from your past sin awaits you. Everything we need is waiting for us at the throne, and there's nothing stopping us from approaching. I'm sure you've heard it before. Many have said we should come as we are. You cannot make yourself good enough to enter his presence. But Jesus has made you righteous. He has cleansed you. And the Father has raised us up and set us in Christ at his right hand. Time to come home.